Hello, everyone, and welcome back once again to Straight Up, the pop culture and celeb podcast, lifting the lid on all things fame. How are you, my love? I'm good. I'm actually in a really good mood, and I don't know why. I think it's because oh, we had a good, good gossip before we started recording. We did. I think it actually really helped. Yeah, it did. Love a little How- gossip before we jump straight in. And I haven't spoken to you all weekend. How was your weekend? It was great. It was really nice. I was looking after my mum's dog. So I saw them in the bath together. It was very sweet. Having Sorry. two dogs together. The two dogs, the dogs. not you. Talking to your mum. <laughs> Yeah, so that was very wholesome and cute. There's literally nothing that makes me happier walking them together. Like, I just love seeing them both, like, run off, like, into the woods. It's just the cutest. So that was good. And then I had my friend Danielle's birthday. We went to Peggy Goo's Pleasure Garden at Finsbury Park, her, like, festival. That's put on by amazing. Your, I went on one of your friend's Instagrams. Can't remember who. Yeah, it was so good. They it took was, better content than you, I must say. Yeah, I didn't take tons of pics, but it was so great. Like, it was such a good crowd, just good vibes. The music was so good. It was small, like there was only two stages, but it was all just perfectly done. And It looked like Lost Village. Yes, it felt like Lost Village. Right. It definitely had that vibe. Yeah. It was brilliant. What all time did all, it go really, on really, really enjoyed it. It was 1.30 till 9.30, which is what? Very reasonable, isn't it? It looked like it was like 2am. Yeah, no, finished at 9.30, oh I guess, because it's... Ideal for you. Park. Yeah, although we did go back to my friends after, so uh, still didn't leave and get in a cab home till 2am anyway. But yes, all in all, a fabulous weekend. And it was so nice to celebrate my friend Danny. And actually, I must say, considering the shite weather that we're having at the moment, it was like interspersed rain and cloud, typical. But I got some suntan. I had like tan lines on my, oh my top God. afterwards. I know, I couldn't believe it. You looked so, good actually, wearing your bucket you, hat. No, that was Amy wearing a bucket oh, hat. Oh, sorry. A Peggy Goo bucket hat. Peggy Goo. Um, oh, I love her. Still, so yes, yeah, I love her too and I love her new song. What's it called? Na 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 or something. Do you? See, I don't really like it because for me, it's my, my issue with it. I mean, it was really good in a live setting, but... It's a bit it's bait. The, it's the member berry issue that I have. Like, so for people that don't know that reference, member berries is a term they use on South Park like a few years ago about how when you get old, basically everything sounds the same and how culture is so boring, like boringly rehashed. And a member oh. berry is like something that's knowingly nostalgic in a really lazy way because right. they, they can't be bothered to do something new. So they do something that they know will tap into like cultural nostalgia. Um, and I do have massive beef, as I definitely have said before, with this constant using samples of old songs. Yeah, just want to hear something new. Is that too much to ask? Although I did reluctantly become quite obsessed with Central CC's really wet passenger. Oh, um, God, did you? Because that like literally does stand out in my head as one of the absolute worst. It is, but I still started banging it out. Like how apparently lots of his fans don't even know that Doja Cat is that um, Gwen Stefani tune. What? Originally, yeah. They think it's like a, a new production. That's how old we are. Oh, my God. Also, Jack Harlow's first class was one of the lowest of the low, I feel. Yeah. Um, Peggy Goo brings me out in hives because I had one of my really embarrassing journalistic experiences with her. Oh, my God. Can you retell me this? Because I was actually trying to tell Mel oh. on the weekend and I couldn't remember exactly what it was. I was like, was it something to do with being a female DJ? No, it was even worse. It was, well, it was just, I interviewed her on the phone from my desk at GQ and I was, it was one of those classic things where I was just really busy and just hadn't had time to prepare. I'm sorry, that does happen once in a blue moon. Um, and I just hadn't really thought about my questions and I was really stressed and it was a shame because I'd also I really love her I'd seen her on a boat party that summer and at that yeah you're a big fan so it's one of those yeah. annoying ones when you don't get to prep for it and she's so cool but maybe in a way as well sometimes I do find when you think that you know someone like really well in terms of being a fan yeah. you end up doing less prep because you think you already know it and, and then, then once you actually sit down you're like bugger I do actually need some proper structured questions and here. she called me out on it is that what happened? Yeah. So it was like my oh, first pets. question or something. And I was like, so when did you, because I think the first question is always the hardest because you don't know what yeah. to say. Breaking the ice. Yeah. So I was like, so how did you become interested in music or how did you break into music or something like that or whatever? I can't remember what it was. And she went, oh, come on, GQ. You can do better than that. Is that really what you're going to ask oh me? Oh my God, and I'm dying. Peggy Goo says that to you. Like, where do you go from there? I mean, thank God it was only a phone call because you've had to look at her face in that moment. I think I would have like shriveled up and Yeah, died. and the worst thing is I didn't have any better because I hadn't heard, <laughs> so it's like... Well, actually, my oh, next my. question is just about your musical inspirations. Yeah, because it's not like when some interviews are like, no, it, that was a warm-up and now I've got the good stuff. I just genuinely didn't. It was a terrible, oh. terrible interview. And then you feel even like your confidence has been knocked. So where do you take it from there? You can't be that conversational. I know, and you're at your desk so people can hear you onward. like flopping. Oh, um, oh anyway it was sad but love Peggy if she's listening I'm sorry 
Sorry, Peggy. <laughs> so that sounds fun, babes. It was great. How was your festival fun at Wilderness? Yes, it was great. Were you reviewing? I was reviewing. Was it a five-star review? It was a four-star review. Pretty decent. It was last time I went to Wilderness as well. Yeah, because I mean, they're not known for the, the biggest headliners in the world, are they? No, that's the thing I did say. It's a really fun experience and there's so much you can do and I love all the literary talks and everything like that. But the music is always the, actually the worst thing about it, I'd say. Yeah. Um, Who so, headlined the year we went? Was it Nile Rogers? Someone like God, that, was I can't it? even remember. It's like either Nile Rogers or Florence the Machine, someone like that. Oh, well, Florence the Machine would have been good. Yeah. I don't think it was. It must have been Nile Rogers. Mm. And my gosh, Christine and the Queens, we need to discuss his absolutely funereal performances. I saw him at Glastonbury as well and half the crowd left. And again, the same thing happened really? with Wilderness. Because it's like a one man, by the way, he uses he, him pronouns now. And it's essentially a one man rock opera about life death and rebirth where he um, wow. plays three characters like himself his mother an angel and i oh think like God. his former self it's an incredible piece of performance art and the album i actually absolutely love but it's not a saturday night headliner no, it's not what people have paid to come to a festival to see no i think it's like if you're a christine the queen's fan paying for a you gig want to go to like me show then you'd really enjoy it yes but, but like it was so depressing Oh my God. I literally felt depressed. Did you watch the whole thing? Well, I suppose you had to if you reviewed it. I had to. I mean, I'd also seen the whole thing. My boyfriend was loving that. He was, to be fair to him, he pretended he was. And then I was like, that's really interesting how you really loved Christine and the Queens. I never would have expected it. And he was like, I just didn't want to make you feel bad. (laughs) Oh, that is so cute. Um, What else happened? One of the fun things was seeing Dolly Alderton at Letters Live. Oh, she did like a a reading. Yes. So do you know what Letters Live is? Yes. It's that. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm going to now explain it really badly if I try to say it. But yes, yes. we also spoke to Caroline O'Donoghue about it. How? Oh, yes, when we she did. did Letters Live yes. the other time. So it's an event series where celebrities read out uh, literary correspondence from notable names. Um, often it's like people in the past. And this year it was Benedict Cumberbatch, Emma Corrin, um, Taran Egerton, who. All at Wilderness? Yeah. God, and I'm starry. Claire Foy. Wow. Jay- I suppose because they're all like, yes, I will take free tickets and constant access to the Verve Clico area yes. if I can read well, one ta- letter. Taran Egerton apparently was seen skipping to the front of the queue without a reservation at one of the banquets that we were at. Um, what uh, cuisine? Sri Lankan. Was it yummy? It was what, quite Was nice. it from. One of those, like, Paradise, one of those Yes, it was Paradise. <gasps> Yum, I love Paradise. It was really good. I'm sure it would be, it would be probably better not at a banquet, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I do seem to remember when we went and it was a, it was quite, like, high for Loughton. Yes. And actually, at a festival, maybe that's, that's yes. not always what you want. But it is really fun just to meet all these people at your table and just yeah. get pissed with and them. Yeah, it's very, like, chic, isn't it? You yeah. almost feel like you're at a posh wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my fave was Dolly Alderton, who re- read out a letter written by herself to one of her... Um, Q&A's for the Sunday Times style. Oh, cute. And it was actually really on theme with what everyone's been talking about. It was like, I feel like I should get Botox. What do you think? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And she, yeah, chose that as a... Yes. Such a poignant one. And and actually it was, I cried. Really? My boyfriend was like, oh, get it, Greg, because I cry at everything. But it did, it was really moving because she did this whole really beautiful speech about how all of her friends, as they've got older and all her older friends in particular, are actually getting more and more DMs than they've ever had because it's so hot seeing a confident woman age and that young men are actually becoming more and more aware of how hot older women are. Interesting because they're more empowered. Yes. And she Love was just that. basically like an ode to hot old women. Oh, so she was... I know this is very simplistic of me, but is she yay or nay to the Botox? Yeah, she's like, women can do whatever the fuck they want about yeah. to their face because already it's too stressful thinking about what our face looks like. So we don't want the added stress of them thinking about whether we do anything to our yeah, face yeah, bad yeah. or not. Like, let's just deal with the fact that already we have the patriarchy telling us we need to look hot all the Got time. It. Yeah, it was, she speaks so well. In fact, she was, pro- she was probably better than Benedict Cumberbatch. Were you feeling the, the golden aura that we talked about with Caroline O'Donoghue? Yes, and... Was she radiating sunlight? She was, actually. And um, I met her best friend at Cute. the banquet. Her best friend, Sabrina. I did recommend the podcast, so if you're listening, hello, new friend. I have your number. Um, should we talk about the woman of the moment, Lizzo? I think we must. Obviously, I had to send you a message as soon as the news broke because you were the original Lizzo stan. I love Lizzo. How are you feeling about it all, honey? I feel very conflicted um, because if the allegations are true, then obviously that just completely like subverts her entire brand. Yeah. But then also, interestingly, a lot of my friends are on her side despite the allegations. 
So for listeners that don't know, do you want to give a little rundown of exactly what the allegations are? Yes. So basically three dancers who were part of Lizzo's uh, tour for special um, have filed a lawsuit uh, with nine areas of misconduct against Lizzo, her head dancer, Shireen Quigley, and Lizzo's production company, Big Girl Touring. The three dancers are Christelle Williams, Noel Rodriguez, and a third dancer, Ariana Davis. And they basically allege that, that Lizzo and Quigley and just her entire production company are guilty of a fostering a hostile work environment that featured sexual harassment a failure to prevent or remedy sexual harassment in the workplace and a failure to prevent or remedy religious harassment in the workplace so some of these allegations just very quickly among other things pressure from Lizzo to attend a performance with nude dancers in Amsterdam yeah what the fuck was that about at Bananarama yeah there was a whole thing about how she was trying to encourage the dancers to like touch the nude performers or like take the bananas from their vaginas as they were yes. like shooting them out at a strip club and Shalene quickly had been talking like she was it's like a really weird thing right she's like super religious but also kept talking about how she had like all these weird fantasies and it would make all the dancers feel really uncomfortable it's extremely odd it's extremely odd yeah apparently Quigley spoke extensively about her religious views as a Christian and berated those who didn't share these beliefs and it claims one dancer's virginity was frequently discussed without her consent that dancers were pressured to participate in group Christian prayer regardless of their religious beliefs very odd and perhaps extremely ironically I feel like the most shocking allegation is that she was making disparaging comments about dancers weight yes considering that Lizzo is number one body positive icon the Mm. fact that dancers would be made to feel bad about their size is actually wild it's worth saying that lizzo denies all wrongdoing she released an instagram statement which i was actually quite surprised that she would comment on it at all i think she just had to because i know the lawsuit you can't control what's written people can say anything in a lawsuit but i just this this is literally gonna ruin her career unless she said something there's no way she could have sat on this silently yeah there's two rights so she denies everything she says she's not the villain that the allegations are too outrageous not to be addressed that with passion comes hard work and high standards that sometimes she's had to make difficult decisions but it's never been my intention to make anyone feel uncomfortable she says and this is a bit that's been really contentious with her statement i'm very open with my sexuality and expressing myself but i cannot accept or allow people to use that openness and make me out to be someone i'm not so people are like uh why are you saying that anything about your sexuality yeah being sex sexuality is open rather than addressing the allegations and apologizing for them but i would actually say that well if she if they're not true and they are lying then why would you apologize for them yeah i mean what i do find a bit odd about it is there's part of me that thinks come on, those dancers clearly are a bit salty because they got let go. You know, that's essentially what Lizzo's framing. She says, these are people that were like not professional. They got let go. And so now they're seeking some kind of like retribution. Yes, yes, exactly. It's the nuts and bolts of it, isn't it? Yes. And I think that definitely makes a lot of sense. It's like a really easy way to explain it. Like, oh, they're pissed off. So now they're annoyed about it. And I know that video surfaced, didn't it, of Ariana Davis, that particular dancer, a video surfaced of her audition tape, where she's like talking about how amazing it is and how positive. And she's had to since come out and say, oh, you know, obviously you're slightly under duress in those moments because you have to sound positive because it's about a job. I just think it's really sordid, quite frankly, isn't it? So should we like look at the allegations one by one? Number one, Mm. the strip club. Lots of my female friends have been saying... Okay, yeah, forcing anyone to touch anyone at strip club without their consent, if that makes them feel uncomfortable, is, is definitely wrong, of course. But you can see how that would just be a moment that everyone had got swept up in yeah. on tour that's silly. Yeah. You are at a strip club. And not actual. You could see Lizzo doing that from a place that isn't harassment. I mean, I can imagine if me and you went to a strip club and I was like, oh, yeah. come on, campus, Go on, touch just a boob. Or, yeah. you know. But then I guess that is different. Like, you're not my employer. And maybe that's the point. Yes, that's true. Although um, I commissioned... The power dynamics off. That's true. A piece I, that we just published in The Telegraph, the writer interviewed lots of people on Twitter, like ordinary women um, who aren't like part of the Twitter frenzy about what they actually think. And they were like, yeah, but in the creative industries, the line between employer and employee is already really blurred. Yeah. And she's like, you know, one of the women were like, I do coke all the time with my employees. It's completely normal in the creative industries, which I actually would say is wrong, but very true. true. Yeah. And she was like, you know, Christmas parties where all, you know, we do karaoke, we're, we're all slut dropping each other on the dance floor yeah, like it's a different dynamic for sure than more t- traditional 
corporate workplaces like our um and even corporate i would say actually corporate workplaces might be the worst for actually, drug use with you employers. Some wild shit going down don't you yeah i would say that maybe it's in britain we just actually have a very dysfunctional workplace culture where it's far too normal to get fucked up with your colleagues and yeah. bosses, which is actually something i find we've talk, talked about before which is actually something i'm really uncomfortable about i actually don't tend to stay at work parties i won't get drunk with colleagues yeah you don't like, like it work. whereas i actually like it, <laughs> yeah. it like humanizes people See, I actually really like that professional boundary. Like, I really want them, obviously, to be a friend in a kind, in a in in a way, in a professional setting, and that's it. Like, really comfortable with them. Six o'clock. Yeah, like really comfortable with them. <laughs> yeah. But um, and banter with them in the workplace and stuff. But there's a line, and actually, I find that if you cross that line at a workplace drinks, then that line will be crossed in the office. And I've had that before, where someone mm. can can say awful things to me that they think is a joke in the office. What because we've got drunk together? No, you're right. I definitely see that it like blurs those boundaries. I think if you're if you if you have a tendency to not be a good person or to be problematic then you're gonna fall foul of that boundary yeah I mean I think what's really interesting about Lizzo is that it kind of goes back to what we've talked about so many times on the podcast and with so many guests which is that like to be super successful and really famous like you have to be a narcissist you have to be cutthroat you actually do like there's a reason that she's as successful as she is so in that sense it kind of doesn't surprise me like what's being alleged because as she even says in her kind of like apology, like these standards that you have to have and the kind of attitude that takes you forward to that level of success. It's not about being a nice, lovely, cuddly, happy person all the time. It's just not, you know? Yeah, she's a boss. Yeah, and you just, you don't get where she is by accident. And I think you've got to throw a couple of people under the bus. I'm not saying that's right at all. I think that's actually wrong. But I think that's how success in our society is often built. Like there aren't that many people that are super successful that haven't like had to step on other people to get there, you know? Yes, your point is not that um, she should be excused. It's more like, why are we surprised? Yeah, I mean, I think, no, I get, I was bloody surprised. I'm not going to lie. Oh, it's just the absolute irony of it. Like we say, specifically around the kind of body positivity and being a champion of women. And you're like, the absolute audacity to claim that you're a champion of like the people and and that you you've literally built an entire brand of being inclusive and body positive and actually the whole time you were shaming your dancers about their weight like well, that is absolutely unacceptable well, that's allegedly a, allegedly yeah well that's a bit i actually just don't believe and i know that's problematic because it's believe the victims but but also i don't think you should just say believe victims for you know obviously the fact that it's a group of women saying that okay that does suggest that it is true but we can't just say believe people that have filed a lawsuit yeah and it is different isn't it especially in the u.s like you can say whatever you want in a lawsuit yeah like it's not the same as something going to trial like it is different like they're just allegations yes they're not proven and i would find it really odd that someone's complete identity it would be really really like just so counterintuitive yeah and so bizarre that she would have made this whole thing her brand when and she, her whole identity, like you say, if actually she isn't, you know, a champion of body positivity. And- also, she is a large woman. So it's not like, you know, she's not practicing what she, you know, she, that is what she yeah. is. So it's even more strange. But maybe it's one of those weird things where it's like, oh, people can't discriminate against me, but I'll discriminate against yeah. others. You know, that kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. again, like very narcissistic attitude. I mean, what like absolutely compounded it for me was that other allegations came out from people yes. that weren't the three women yeah, yeah, that said, true. this is true to my experience. So what, what did you read? So there was a few dancers that backed that up. Mm. And also then I read something from the Oscar nominated filmmaker, Sophia Nali Allison, who basically just like echoed the lawsuit's allegations. So just for background, she was meant to be um, filming Lizzo's HBO documentary and essentially it didn't end up happening. So her comment was, I usually do not comment on anything pop culture related, but in 2019, I traveled with a bit with Lizzo to be the director of her documentary. I walked away after about two weeks. I was treated with such disrespect by her. I witnessed how arrogant, unkind and cruel she is. I was not protected and thrown into a shitty situation with little support. My spirit said to run as fast as you fucking can. And I'm so grateful I trusted my gut. I felt gasless and deeply hurt, but I've healed. So... That is not a good look. That's just, yeah. If people, and you know, someone who is a really well-respected person in their field, like this isn't someone that's just come out of the word work to like make some money or that yeah, is yeah. a disgruntled former employee or, you know what I mean? Whatever that mm. you could kind of say about the dancers to discredit what, what they're alleging. Yeah. And I actually saw someone reshare that documentary maker's post and be like, I was working with her. I completely Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was like the assistant on the, yeah. on the shoot. So I don't know. I feel like, 
there are too many people now saying that this is true of their experience for it to just be complete fabrication and rubbish. Absolutely. Yeah, there's definitely, she's definitely behaved badly. But um, I think the point is, is it a problem with her uh, production and is it an employment issue or is it a personal grievance issue? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think maybe there's an issue where we're conflating the two. I mean, that documentary maker is being very vague. What does she mean she felt it was unkind? Well, and- she says, the thing is, she's not saying the general atmosphere. She says Lizzo is arrogant, unkind and cruel. But I could say that about so many people I've worked with. I wouldn't file a lawsuit no. against them. Do you know no, what I mean? but she hasn't. That's the thing. This well, filmmaker's just speaking to her yes. experience and she's just saying like, believe the dancers essentially. Well, this is the thing. I don't know actually, I'm not a lawyer, but I, can, can, you, can you sue someone for being unkind? Depends. I don't think so, no. Like we say, all of their like, accusations are about workplace like harassment. Yeah. And actually like illegal stuff. So it's not just about her personality, but that to me speaks volumes about what Lizzo probably is really like. And did you see Grimes um, chimed in? Yes. So but she- saying she was really nice to her and that they were like really close when they were both nobodies essentially yeah she was like Lizzo has literally been only the nicest to me um even when she was no one and also that uh, she's always been so, so supportive and she's only ever seen exemplary behavior from her and she said I have experience too of sometimes your other people on your team will not be nice or will harass people or will do problematic things and you won't actually know so there might also be an issue if people on her team like Shireen Quigley for oh, instance totally. are doing stuff well, even quite a lot of those accusations, like the subtext, I feel like they're coming like for Shaleen Quigley. They're not like directly about Lizzo. It's yes. like the workplace culture that yes. is going on rather than like every single allegation being something that Lizzo herself specifically yes. did. And of course, turning a blind eye to a workplace culture is also very wrong. You need to be accountable for it. But it's not as simple as Lizzo is the villain and she needs to be cancelled. No, but on the flip side, I think it's quite a good example of how, at the end of the day, like, it's not just men that misuse power. Yes, very true. And that, like, highly successful women can be just as narcissistic. Okay, devil's advocate, going back to the strip club stuff, which I think is the stuff that I would say is maybe the most tenuous. Yeah, because that's the bit, as you say, like, I just don't find that much of a big deal. But then that's because I personally wouldn't find it a big deal in that set, in that moment. If you're like super conservative and super religious and you're being like told to like touch someone's boob at a sex club, I could see that maybe that yes. would freak you out. It just wouldn't freak me but out. If you're that super much. conservative, super religious, why would you be at a sex club? Well, exactly. Um, but I guess also I've not really had serious sexual assault or any real sexual assault so I don't have trauma in that sense that would be like triggered by someone forcing me to touch someone in a way I was uncomfortable with you know I can imagine someone who has had to do that before would would be really triggered but again okay the issue I find with it is like if you're working for Lizzo who is so much about like sexuality like she twerks on stage with the dancers at Glastonbury she's constantly touching her dancers on stage it's such a sexual performance in such a fun cheeky loving way if you're not comfortable with that kind of intimacy, I find it strange that you you'd want to be, be one of her dancers. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. I think if you're someone that's like very conservative or very religious or very uncomfortable with any like overt shows of sexuality, why on earth would you want to be one of Lizzo's dancers? Yeah, it's all part of her show. It's yeah. not like it's like, oh, what a secret. Lizzo secretly really sexual and touching everyone. She does it on stage <laughs> at the pyramid stage. I think she even, yeah, she's like twerking on them. And yeah. slapping their asses and stuff. Yeah, so it kind of feels like it's that classic thing, like you say, of like where does you where does the line between real life and performance and creativity and whatever like blur? Like maybe in her mind, having a laugh at the strip club is just an extension of what's going on on stage. Yes, perhaps. And maybe an issue is that they did raise all of this with her and she didn't take it seriously, and that's why they've had to file a lawsuit. You know, which I mm. have empathy with. But see, I think part of it as well, without being a massive cynic, I absolutely believe the dancers, by the way, but I do think obviously there's like monetary reasons that they filed the lawsuit, obviously, you know, I don't think it's just to like have your day of telling the truth. Like, yeah, they want damages. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's too much evidence against Lizzo to not believe that she has definitely behaved badly. And I believe the dancers. What's really upsetting is seeing how much people have used this as an excuse just to just be fucking racist. Yeah, that's fucking outrageous. I saw like some really like poignant tweets from Stephanie Yeboah. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just it's such a shame that like someone who's been such a beacon can now it's now giving people like a massive excuse to be racist and fatphobic. 
it's so true it is actually more than anything it's just such a shame because it's such a shame she stood for such amazing things and i feel like there are certain corners of the internet that are literally like gleefully rejoicing in her downfall and i think that that's really sad and i think like we said in a way as much as it's yeah it's an example of how women can misuse power it's also like just bloody typical that such yes. an amazing woman would get t- torn down and the wrong the most awful people are going to use this as an excuse to tear down black yeah. um fat black women and i wonder future. what will go on with like her brand with litty and like do you know what i mean i just it'll yeah. be interesting to see because like how can you possibly sell like inclusive clothing in the way that she does with this kind of stain on your reputation um also i actually read a piece that was uh, a bit more critical of lizzo's brand pre-scandal um a writer said that actually they were already quite suspicious of lizzo's kind of mission to promote larger women and larger black women and she said that lizzo had actually become a pawn for conversations surrounding the dark side of brand friendly empowerment and that a lot of the campaigns that she did were just kind of like cynical for instance she teamed up with beer brand miller cause for its first ad campaign targeting mostly female uh, consumers to promote a sparkling cocktail and her single because i love you right so it all felt horrifically capitalist and not yes. really about inclusion and positivity at all <laughs> then she did absolute juice and strawberry and apple flavors for absolute vodka i mean there are several others so she's just it. using them as brand partnership opportunities essentially but then i'm like if i was really famous i'd want to make loads of money through brand partnerships as well i mean i would but i definitely wouldn't like hitch my car of my brand to other brands like that because like you say you've kind of got to show what you stand for and there was a really big opportunity with that brand for her to be like owning the most inclusive sort of shapewear slash activewear brand in the world you know and it just dilutes the message it just dilutes the message makes it hollow but then again if your entire brand is that then it's actually really difficult to separate yourself from the brand and therefore any partnership you do is going to be piggybacking on that yeah i see what you mean that's a tricky one like how can she do any brand partnership where that's not the The theme so in terms of being cynical about her as well, yeah. I saw this TikTok last night from a artist, an independent artist called Elle Bayers. I might be pronouncing that slightly wrong if I am, sorry. But she claims that there are alleged suspicious similarities between her own work and Lizzo's. Mm. So she frames it very much as like, this is what happened. I've sat on this for two years. I wasn't going to mention it, but with what's going on, I will just put the facts out there and you can make up your own mind. So she was a finalist in Lizzo's Watch Out for the Big Girls dance search. She was about to be booked. It was a dream come true. She was sent over the contract like she'd made it. She was going to be in the dance troupe and she got lawyers and her family to just read over the contract as you do. And those family members were like do not sign this this contract is really dodgy like that she wants to like Lizzo and her team will have ownership over your art and Mm, your likeness and like mm. everything that you ever do from now until the end of time so as an independent artist you make your own music like you don't want to give away ownership to that Mm. she asked Lizzo's team to change it to make some red lines and they were like no we can't give you special treatment over the other dancers so she didn't get the job she was obviously devastated thought she'd like ruined her chance at her big break because she hadn't signed this contract but obviously in some way felt that it was still the right thing to do and the lawyers that she knew had been just like you'd be mad to she then goes on to mention how during the whole process of auditioning she'd sent over two of her original music videos as a way to show her work as a body positive artist. So her two songs were Better With You and Paint Me. The TikTok draws attention to what are really, in all honesty, like absurd similarities yes. between the music videos. So Better With You, this dancer's song, has a video set in a classroom that becomes a 70s disco. Mm. About Damn Time has a music video set in a classroom that becomes a 70s disco and it literally came out a year later oh wow then in the other music video for paint me which was like her body positivity song Bayers was wearing a nude bodysuit and there were pieces of art that were projected onto her body mm. that was the kind of theme of the video classical paintings 2022 lizzo was on tour and she performed a song called naked she also wore a new bodysuit on stage and there were pieces of art protect- projected onto her body oh my gosh and that's part of the the tour kind of set so yeah so there are three things that play there i guess one is not it's not necessarily lizzo coming up with those ideas might be from someone from her team oh yeah yeah like this yeah. isn't to say that it's necessarily lizzo it's like 
the Lizzo team at large. Yes, it's more likely to be someone from her team, actually. Yeah, Second, her it's like going ha- through videos from yes. a dancer. Like. How original are those ideas? Probably actually quite, they are know, quite, quite specific. Sorry, I just yeah. don't. And it's literally with the classroom as well. It like starts with like people looking bored and there's like a blackboard. Yeah. Like, it's literally shot by shot similar. It's not just broadly, oh, it's set in a school. Yeah, yeah. Like it's literally like this very specific like modern day classroom becomes a 70s disco. Yeah, yeah. Like that's quite niche. It's harder to deny that than like sonic similarities that like Ed Sheeran has had to Yeah, like, exactly. Deny. These are like actual visual reference yeah. points. yeah. Whereas with music, you can kind of be like, well, every um, composition is inspired by another composition. Yeah, and you can be subconsciously picking up on other melodies yeah, and all yeah. of that. Whereas this, you're like, sorry, but oh, the two videos that she sent in to show how she's a body positive artist, then there's incredible creative similarities yes. with things that Lizzo does a couple of years yes. later. Dodgy. Lot to think about there. Yeah, it'll be I- interesting to see how it unfolds. I wonder, I assume with the lawsuit, I mean, I'm literally the worst when it comes to lawyer yes loyally information so i absolutely don't know what i'm talking about but will it go, yeah that's the one <laughs> will it go to court like how does this work when will all of this go will it go to trial i don't know be interesting to see anyway do you think her career can recover from this even if it even if she manages to beat the lawsuit because i mean look kevin spacey has managed yeah. to be cleared of all allegations against him which i think a lot of people on the internet think is mad yeah yeah, but I feel like as well, that is a bit different. Like, I feel like those allegations that Kevin Spacey was facing were more serious. Yes, they were sexual assault. Yeah, of a minor, weren't they? Sexual assault of a minor. Yeah, so I think with Lizzo, I think if she can boss the the court case, then I think she'll be fine. Like, she has like 13.5 million Instagram followers. She's lost 220,000 in the last week. Like, that's not even 10% of her overall following. Oh, oh no, so that it many, is. I thought it was 22,000. She's lost 220,000 followers. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. altogether, not just from Instagram. No, from Instagram. Oh, wow. From her 13.5, she's now down to like, you know, 13.3 oh, wow. or something. Yeah. Yes, if she can beat the lawsuit, she still has loads of fans yeah. who support her. And if you think that Doja Cat lost 400,000 followers off the back of her disparaging comments about her fan base recently. Yeah. So that's irked people a lot more. Also, at the end of the day, look, if you make good music, sorry to say, people are still going to listen to you. Everyone still listens to Michael Jackson. Oh, well, it's this constant debate isn't it that there is no wrong or right answer to of like do you separate the art and the artist because I don't really listen to Michael Jackson anymore I actually and it's not like a principal decision that I made after I saw Finding Neverland or whatever it's just that like to me it's just too far now it's too gross I know but I think we live in such a bubble yeah I guess because we're in like the wokey media circles because actually I was speaking to someone about this today a, a playwright and I was saying you know like oh yeah, people wouldn't w- watch this or wouldn't be comfortable with this anymore, blah, blah. And she was like, yeah, they would. You're talking yeah. about like the Twitterati or the media bubble. We both work in the media, but the average person doesn't give a shit. I mean, Michael Jackson, I, I mean, little Nas X even did like a little song. They, he sampled Beat It at his Glastonbury mm. set. And I hear him all the time played at weddings. True. And we were dying when Akon was talking about how much he loved him and blah, blah, blah. But like... And it felt like we couldn't cross-examine him. Yeah. Whereas if it was R. It Kelly, we'd be like... Way too problematic. Absolutely not. Gosh, it's all very tricky. I don't know. Don't know what I make of it all. Yeah, and I guess the difference with Doge Cat is like telling your fan that they're weird and shouldn't be so obsessed with you is not illegal or like that problem. It's just a bit rude. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas obviously... Go get little... a job or help your parents around the house. That's yeah. what she said in one of her Which I mean, to threads. be fair. Like... Come true. You literally have that much time that you're on the internet as a stand. Like, maybe you should. She was like, I find it really weird that you're using my government name as your Twitter um, name. It's like, actually, that is weird. Um, but I also see it from the fans' point of view. of like, we just love you they love her it's performative as well it's like they're not actually that obsessed it's a lot of it's performative it's like I a whole culture get into a hole oh my god i mean rabbit yeah. hole with that couldn't we so yeah i i'd be intrigued to know what happens and closing statements i would like to say that yes i think let's believe women and let's assume that they are telling the truth let's hope they're telling the truth because be fucking cynical and awful if they weren't mm. but but let's not count lizzo out just yet here here yeah Let's see. Let's wait for the facts. On to other things. Shall I give you? Yeah. Okay, this is now thing sounds really bad because I feel like we're doing like a tirade of like tearing down women. It's not meant in this way, but it is juicy. And I've wanted for like the last week now to run you, to, run you through Ariana Grande's <gasps> cheating timeline. I am on the edge of my seat, babe. Go for it. Oh, damn, actually. I just thought I was with my friend the other day who's an electrician on the Wicked set. I totally should have asked him. So as some of you may or may not know, in July, when Ariana Grande was pictured at Wimbledon, it 
she wasn't wearing her wedding ring. And basically, soon after, TMZ reported that Ariana Grande and her husband, Dalton Gomez, were divorcing. And they've only been together for two years, since 2020. Shortly after the news broke, multiple publications also reported that Ariana Grande has started a relationship with Wicked co-star Ethan Slater. And can I just say at this point, listeners, you should Google him. Yes. Because... Punching. And I hate using that word because I think it's <laughs> deeply awful. No one is punching, really, and it's a horrible way to describe a relationship. But I am just surprised that someone as famous as Ariana Grande, who is used to, like, heartthrobs, the A-list heartthrobs, would go for a normie. Well, if internet sleuths have got any modicum of truth within their theories, then part of it is perhaps a kind of strange psychological thing going on with Ariana where she loves someone else's man. (gasps) So Ethan Slater has a small, a baby. He and his wife, apparently his wife, Demois says... Not that we could look at it, because obviously we've been blocked. Oh but... my God, I forgot about Demois. Yeah, Demois <laughs> claimed that uh, it was all going on before they separated. So Ethan Slater, basically a week after Ariana Grande's divorce was announced, Ethan Slater's separation was announced, and then Ariana Grande and Ethan Slater's relationship was announced. So it all looked a bit fishy in terms of did it all start while they were both still in relationships? They've obviously been filming this film for like months and months. In London, apparently, according to Dumois, Ethan Slater's wife is apparently a doctor and she like quit her job to come and like move to London to be with him while he's filming. Oh Dalton Gomez God. is in real estate, so he couldn't travel to be with Ariana while she works. He has to be based in LA. So the internet gossip would have it that they kind of got together having met on set, but was it or wasn't it while they were both still in committed relationships? Ethan Slater's estranged wife told Page Six, Ariana's the story really. Not a girl's girl. My family is just collateral damage. I mean, doesn't look great, does it? Apparently Ariana had the audacity to hold his baby. Yeah, apparently she'd like go around there and like be all friends with the wife. You cannot hold the baby of the The man you're sleeping with. Yeah, and the wife you're disrespecting. Deeply inappropriate. But as I say, having done a bit of digging, it unfortunately seems to be a bit of a, bit of a repeating pattern. For Ariana. Oh my God. Should I give you the timeline? Yes. So in 2013, Ariana's first like public relationship, it was with Jai Brooks, who's an Australian musician. Mm -hmm. He accused Ariana of cheating on him with Nathan Sykes, who is also a musician. In The Wanted. Exactly. That same year, rumours that Mac Miller and his longtime girlfriend broke up because he cheated with Ariana started going round. Oh my God. Mac Miller, the rapper, American rapper. Yep, yep. In 2016... Naya Riviera said in her book that Big Sean cheated on her with Ariana. Oh my God, Naya Riviera, who is in Glee and died. Yeah, in that tragic boating tragic. river accident, yeah, yeah. paddleboarding, I yeah. think it was. Big Sean being the rapper who's now with Jahane Aiko. 2018, Mac Miller's ex Nomi revealed on her Tumblr blog that Mac had cheated on her again with Ariana in 2016. In 2019, there were rumours that Ariana cheated on Mac Miller with Pete Davidson while he was in a relationship with Cassie David. In 2020, Cassie said that she found out Pete was cheating on her with Ariana <gasps> via Instagram. Cassie David, the SNL writer, and also, doesn't she write for like The Cut or something? I think so. She's like um, a scene writer. Yeah. In 2019, TMZ reports that Big Sean and Ariana are getting cosy in the studio again while he's with Jahan. In 2020, Dalston Gomez's ex, so Ariana's husband, separated from now, obviously, she posted an Instagram story that was like, when you see your ex with the person they told you not to worry about, which obviously very much fueled cheating rumours. So all in all, unfortunately, and I'm not saying this to tear her down, I like Ariana, it's just an observation. She's got the psychology of a, a serial cheater. So two things number one i would like to preface this was it's always the person who's actually cheating on their other half's fault so in this yeah so she's been involved on both sides. Yes. basically every single relationship that she's had in the public eye has been embroiled yes. in some sort of cheating yes 
drama. And if it's she's doing the cheating, then it's her fault. But I think if the man's doing the cheating, then it's his fault. Oh, totally. But it does give new meaning to her 2019 song, Break Up With Your Girl From oh I'm Bored. Oh my God. I do, um, you know, when the Love Island people come on and one of them, I think last year, uh, or maybe it was this year, was like, I just love other people's men. Like I, I'm like, I, I, I like always get other people's men. And she's like really proud of it. And it's like, that is like, there are women out there that literally just go for other women's men. Yeah, it's like a weird, so... I think they get I don't want to get it. too much into it, like we say, because it's like pathologizing someone that I actually have no idea about. But there are like things going on, you know, on the internet now where people are saying that like it's basically speaking to like her insecurity yeah. and that it's like something to do with like never feeling good enough yourself and you always have to like take someone else's mm. thing because then that validates it more to you than if it was just like readily available to you already. I don't know. You know what people are like. Very But then there's also psychology. there's probably also something of just people just love the thrill of it. Yeah. The thrill of getting something that isn't yours. I mean, I've always thought, like, it's interesting how all of Ariana's relationships always seem to be, like, really short. And, like, they're often very passionate. Like, obviously, her and Pete Davidson were, like, engaged, but then didn't get yeah. married. And, like, you know, I've just always found it interesting with the famous people. And I'm like, how could you, like, be engaged, just, yeah. like, four different people? Like, how can, how can you have not clarified a bit on your judgments by that point? But I think famous people become addicted to incredibly intense feeling. That's mm. like musicians become addicted to the applause and being yeah, on stage. Yeah, need the dopamine. And the adrenaline, yeah. And so I reckon they just constantly need intense experiences. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can only get... How can you possibly compete with being on stage in front of thousands yeah. or being so famous that hundreds of people will swarm you in a street? So true. And actually, I don't know what character Ethan Slater is playing in Wicked. To be honest, I've seen Wicked the Musical. I don't really remember that many um, love storylines. Yeah. But there is an intense chemistry on set and stuff. Like, actors always say that, right? Like, yeah. it is quite common to fall in love with co-stars. Yes. Benefer. Exactly. Um, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Yeah, it's just like a classic way that classic of the genre. actors meet. Yeah. I mean, look, if I was an actor and I had to have an intense romantic storyline with a really hot, male actor i'm sorry to my boyfriend listening to this but <laughs> i might be you know i wouldn't act on it but i might be a bit tempted well it's like the strictly curse isn't it there's yeah. obviously something that's like very like pheromone inducing about these kind of creative yeah jobs i guess when you're like in a bubble almost with these people and it's like super intense and you're really close and you're like living with them eating with them working with them I found that, and this is really lame, but I even found that working at the pub. <laughs> because you're working these really antisocial hours. So you can only really socialize with the people working with you. You're socializing at very late hours. You're constantly having yeah. lock-ins, always over alcohol. You're in your own little bubble. No, you're right. You end up only hanging out with the people that you work yeah. with. Yeah, that's very interesting, Cathers. Where do you stand on women who you feel have specifically tried to go after your boyfriend? Um... Has that happened? No, well, yeah, I was going to say, well, that's, that would be theoretical because I've never been in that situation. And like we're saying, to be honest, I really don't think that that's like most people's like MO. Most people just want a nice, lovely, supportive, available partner. However, there are the occasional, as we say, perhaps emotionally damaged people that seek what they can't have. Mm. Often they don't even really want a relationship with that person. They just want to see if they can get them. And then once yeah, which they've... is why they always end up lasting such a short amount of time yes. as well. So they just want to see if they can get them to transgress. And once they do, they're like, okay, next. Yeah. Thank you. Next. Thank you. Oh my gosh. You know, speaking of this, uh, of people having intense connections with um, co-stars, it actually does give weight to Penn Badgley's belief that when you kind of kiss a co-star on set, you are kind of just like professionally cheating. He didn't yeah. quite say it like this, but he was basically, he, he asked his, uh, the director on you if he could stop filming like uh, physically romantic scenes with his co-star, like no more kissing scenes. And he said he just found it like disrespectful to his wife. Yeah, we talk all about it in our Jordan Stevens episode. Yes, we him. do. Have a whole debate about it. And um, I kind of understand like... In, he he actually makes this point in the in Julia's episode um, of her podcast Out of Service, I think last week. He says, in a in a fight scene, for instance, you are simulating violence, but with a kissing scene, you're not simulating kissing; you are kissing. Got it. So actually, there is a big difference. Such a tricky one, that I just don't know. Because with sex scenes, you actually now as intimacy coordinators, you choreograph a sex scene. You're not actually having sex. Yeah, but with kissing, it's weird. You are actually just kissing. 
Yeah, well, it's just super intimate, I guess, anyway, isn't it? That's kind of, like, even with sex scenes, like, being that physically close to someone, even if nothing's actually happening, is, like, could... It could go in all sorts of ways, which is obviously why, like, intimacy coordinators are now, like, a prerequisite. Also, I feel like if you kiss someone you probably it's like a high chance you might feel something for them even if it is obviously just a professional uh environment i do think you are just making it really difficult for you to stay faithful to your partner and all the best like films and tv shows is when you genuinely feel the chemistry between the leads or whoever like yeah. whatever the love story lo- why do i keep calling it a love story what do i mean i don't know love storyline romantic the, plot the romantic is what i mean i mean neither of those were yeah um the all by far the best like art is always when you genuinely believe the chemistry exactly so often they probably cast people literally based on the fact that they have chemistry is there any really good chemistry that you've seen recently oh, do you know what there actually is and it's annoying me that i can't think what it is now uh Friend. oh i know oh, what i'm sorry but the chemistry of the two leads in heartstopper Netflix. oh i haven't seen it <gasps> i watched the whole second series what? literally did you not watch the first yeah yeah oh, the sorry. second series came out this weekend oh right right so i've watched the whole thing oh wow and i've got to say it's just the most heartwarming gorgeous like fuzzy like it just gives all the good feels i love it and i think the two leads like Ket o'connor and joe Locke, are just the most believably sweet couple ever like they're relationship watching their relationship on tv is like the most amazing thing like i just Mm. love it i absolutely love it and it's so believable and i just want to smile the whole time that i'm watching it talking of chemistry between two men on screen brokeback mountain i know that jake gyllenhaal and um heath ledger heath ledger were not actually bisexual or gay i don't think in real life no but the the chemistry between them and that sex scene i remember watching like 10 years ago and being like Cool. Yeah, I saw that. It's really funny that you bring that film up because Marlon and I were just talking about it yesterday because I saw it in the cinema. Did you? Yeah, because you know it was iconic because it was yeah. like the first time that in like a big Hollywood film, yeah. like a gay love story is being portrayed. And I kind of only went to see it for that reason. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I do remember the film being quite like relentlessly bleak and dark, but not because obviously anything to do with the sexuality yes. of the characters, just that kind of cowboy world because mm. I'm currently watching Yellowstone. <gasps> Have you heard of Yellowstone? Yes, of course. Yeah. Huge hit in the southern states of America. Oh, is it particularly big down there? So that's our new like series at the moment. I'm in series three out of five. And for those of you that don't know, it's Kevin Costner's show that's set on a fictional ranch in Montana. It's meant to be the biggest ranch in the US. So it's kind of like succession for cowboys oh nice little pithy big money you know they travel around in like helicopters and they have security but it's all looking at the almost like border wars that are going on on the ranch because the ranch borders with yellowstone national park and there's also stuff going on with like um a native indian reservation so there's a lot of warring over the land essentially Mm. And it follows this family, much like in Succession, yeah. the patriarch and his kids who all work in varying degrees for the family business. Yes. And it's, I mean, and I love it for that insider look at cowboy culture. Because I guess I just didn't really know all that much about it. Is it in, also like, the modern day? It's quite, set, like oh, really? contemporary, which I find really interesting. Is it like, quite intense emotionally? Well, that's kind of why my partner and I, like I say, were talking about Blowback Mountain because I was saying it's similar-ish to that in that it does paint a picture of this Wild West kind of world being very bleak, very macho, mm. lots of violence. Not really somewhere I'd want to be, to I be honest. I also feel like um, there's something about films that are set in like manual labour and nature and being like man outside mm. that feel very intense because it's made me think of um, another really beautiful gay love story god's own country starring mm. the crown star josh o'connor which i really recommend again i think because it's like outside it so it's set in uh, yorkshire oh so it's all quite like rugged countryside juxtaposed with the rugged men mm, it's about a young farmer who falls in love with a migrant worker from romania oh. it's really good josh oh. where is josh o'connor what the hell is yeah, he doing he's a bit hasn't he so fascinating stuff, babes. I think there was also a question you wanted to ask me. There was. So this is general. And oh, yeah. I want to know what all the listeners think too. We can actually whack one of our little polls up oh, yes. so we can get some feedback. I am a big fan of Refinery29's Money Diaries. <gasps> love. Yeah, I knew you. I love them. Love a bit of that and too. The Cuts Sex Diaries. Yeah. Insider info on exactly how people live their lives yeah. is basically what yeah. we live for. Yeah. 
I love the Refinery29 um, Facebook group as well. So obviously there's the articles, yes. the actual money diaries, but there's like a hive mind Facebook group where people can write any like financial sort of worky, like that style of question. So it might be about like a mortgage. It might be about your pension. It might be about a job offer or it could be a more general advice thing. You know, they, they totally depend. But I saw this one particular entry that had really like riled people up. And I wanted to get your take on it. Go on, So babe. I'll read you the anonymous oh, poster. Yeah. I'm so intrigued to understand more about people's opinion that bills and expenses should be split with their partner according to their ratio of incomes. Mm. I could understand this when married or when you have children, but I struggle to see how this is fair otherwise. I have worked incredibly hard and sacrificed a lot, financially and emotionally, to secure a higher paid career, whereas my partner, unmarried, is not really career motivated, but is more of a spender than me. I am more of a saver. Is it fair that I'm paying for more of the bills rather than them aiming to increase their earnings? I mean... Oh my God, that's such a tricky one. Such a hot topic. Like It also so depends on their background because I think like if that if one of the people came from an underprivileged background and therefore like have to support their family or yeah. they worked so much harder to get that money and don't have any safety net because a lot of the people might be a free spender because they know that they have their parents as a safety net. Yeah. And that in- influences it. Yeah, totally. I mean, I thought what's so kind of problematic there, like you say, that doesn't give context is that like salary isn't a reflection of hard work and she doesn't yeah. say what he does. So, you know, it's probably, you know, if he's working in the public sector, then that's different than if he's got like some half-assed part-time job while she like pays for everything. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. there's not enough context there, I didn't think. Yes, there's not um, enough context. But um, do you, oh God, it's so hard. It's really hard, isn't it? Because on theory, I do agree that splitting uh, bills proportional to income is fair. Like you want to have the same, you know, you're a team with your partner. You want to have mm. uh, expendable income to do stuff together. You want to be able to go to restaurants and holidays. So what's the point of like splitting everything down the middle and then them literally not having a penny left to like go on a holiday or do those nice things? Like, but on the flip side, I've never done that. So I don't know. Cause like I've only ever, well, I mean, I've only ever lived with Marlon, but we obviously there's swings and roundabouts when different times in your lives, like people pay for more and someone has more money and stuff like that. But we, our bills and stuff, we've always split halfway. Yes. I also think um, if the, you have a discrepancy, in, an imbalance in income, I think it's only fair to stick with, for instance, with like renting a place, mm. stick to a budget that the lowest paid person yeah. can afford and everything other than that, you... It's like an additional it, extra that the yes. higher earner has chosen. Exactly. Exactly. So like I think... Their lifestyle choices. Yes. Yeah. So if you're not happy with being in a budget place, then you can offer to pay more for yeah. the rent. But what I guess I found really interesting about this is that obviously, you know, there's like a hundred comments. I'm sure most of these women, if not all definitely see themselves as feminists they're fiercely you know um verbose about the need for women to have financial independence that kind of thing but what really struck me is how many of the commenters and I've noticed this previously so I found it interesting that this person commented it in the first place because Mm -hmm. I very much noticed on this group there's a trend for people having their salary paid into a joint account with their partner and that to me is kind of counterintuitive to like what I I don't know. To me, I just feel like as a woman, like it's so important to be financially independent. Like I wouldn't want to pay my salary, my work money into a joint account. Like I just wouldn't want to do that. And I can't really say why. Because like say in theory, I'm like, yeah, it's totally fair that you like proportionally split expenses and yada, yada, yada. But there's something that makes me feel weird about the idea of my personally earned money being paid into a share account. I think I'd only want to put an agreed sum every month that we both put in. Like, let's so you both... wouldn't ever get your salary paid into a joint account? No, I think I'd be like, let's each decide to put in 10% or 20% into a joint account. Right. But yeah, I do find it really weird that my parents just seem to have like, they don't have their own finances. I mean, I find it less weird for like older people like that, as we say, because even as this commenter says, she's talking about this in the context of them not being married and not having children. Yeah. Obviously, especially with children, you know, I think that there's a whole different conversation there because, you know, you often have to make agreements about who's going to be the primary caregiver, who's going to earn less. You know what I mean? Like, I think like what's really, really important is that like, um, you know, you contribute to the household in non-monetary ways. Mm. Like you're a team with your partner. Like there are multiple ways in which mm. you can like contribute to your mm. life together. It doesn't have to be like monetary. Mm. But yeah, I think if you have kids, it's different. As a woman, you probably have to step back from work for a while. You might need your partner to be paying your rent or the mortgage. You know, like it's it's a bigger picture, I guess. I use split wise with my partner. 
But sometimes he'll often not put stuff on there because he knows I can afford less. But then sometimes I have got too complacent and I won't realise how much he's actually paid for because he's not putting it on Splitwise or he's not telling me. So then you don't even know that he's treating you. Yes, and I'm, I'm often like, you actually need to tell me because I will forget. And then mm. often when I buy something, I'm like, oh, split it with me. And I'm like, yeah, but I bought all this stuff. Right, yeah, And I'm yeah. like, actually, I need to be more like conscious of when he's paying for stuff, which is actually quite a lot. Also, this is really toxic of me and problematic, but I'm sure those women feel the same. Like, I am not above being paid for. Mm. at restaurants and stuff so because i yeah well i mean what i thought was interesting with this comment is that the it's i wondered yeah if it was if it was the other way around like is there some element of like i guess ingrained like patriarchal thinking there that she ultimately doesn't like that her partner earns less than her yeah probably i mean that's I what some of the comments is sorry to jump in yeah that's yeah some of the commenters were just like to be honest this does this is like there's a red flag here in terms of like you and your partner seemingly not having aligned like goals like in terms of your careers and ambitions like the red flag here is your bitterness towards him more than the money itself I do think the partner should have shared saving goals that they both align on um but yeah I do think that we are not yet an equal society in terms of gender so I think sometimes I'm like it's reparations the patriarchy (laughs) owes me reparations which I know is not a good way to think but so would you rather have that as like like you say treats dinners out whatever than you would splitting the bills proportionally to your income I think I would like to say that I am if I was like dating or whatever I'd always be like, no, let's split. No, no, sorry. This is in the context of like, you live with a partner, you have shared household expenses. Do you know what I mean? This is like, this is, this woman is clearly in a long-term partnership with someone. It's not about like splitting the first date. This is about your life expenses. I think it would, no, I think it would actually probably damage the relationship if I felt my partner was always paying for me. I think I would, it would, that doesn't happen. So I don't feel like that. But I could imagine if I let my partner pay for me on everything, I would feel very um, in debt to him emotionally. Mm. It's so tricky, isn't it? Like we said, there's literally no wrong or right answer here. It's totally dependent yeah. on the couple. But I personally, as I say, even though Marlon and I have been in completely different financial situations over the years that we've been together, like it seems to always be that weird swings and roundabouts thing that when one of us is like not making much money, the other person's making more, that kind of thing. But I would always want to split like our household costs evenly, but then pick up either I or he picks up extras of treats. Other people would rather split the household costs proportionally, you know, to whatever their salaries are and then have a kitty for holidays and house improvements or whatever, you know? I think it's literally Mm, just down to to you. I actually think I would agree with you. I'd rather split the household costs And then have that really lovely emotional aspect of treats. Like, yeah. will you, I want to take you out because I feel like you're sad. Yeah. Or like, you, let's celebrate your promotion. Or like, we can do a nice thing for your birthday. Yeah. Whatever those things are. Because I love a surprise. You know I love a surprise. I love a birthday surprise. I know you do. Well, if he's listening, which he's not anyway, Marlon's not very good at surprises. So I wouldn't know. He did pull off a fab proposal. <sighs> yeah, true. But, you know, <laughs> one surprise in 10 years. Yeah. Mom, to be fair, he is actually, in fact, taking... I actually complained about his lack of surprises around the time of my birthday. And we are, in fact, going to the pig at the end of oh, September. Yay! So I can't complain Copying too much. my boyfriend's surprise. Yeah, his actual surprise. <laughs> I was like, can you do the same for me? <laughs> I had to say, when my boyfriend took me to the pig, he managed to... Such a good surprise that we got to the pig, as in inside the car park to the pig, and I had no idea we were in the pig. That is really good. I know. That is really, really good. Because we got a coach, and I just like, didn't look I'm out the window. I'm surprised that you don't employ your classic like reportery techniques though and just go digging and ruin the surprise for yourself you must have to really hold back because in these moments I'm like I want to be a passive princess that just gets like taken everywhere yeah and I took him to Venice's surprise and well, he's, that's the thing that's a lovely yeah. lovely very extravagant surprise he didn't know we were going to Venice until we were outside the gate that's pretty damn I good, like, that is. Yeah, the security guard was like, oh, for God's sakes. I was like, no, I need to I need to check him. I need to like maneuver the like check-in and stuff. And, and I was like, do not show him the ticket when you're wow. checking the passport. It's okay. quite stressful. To be fair, I can't really like, you know, bash Marlon too much because I have, I have never pulled off such a surprise. It also depends on like people's strength. For instance, when we do date night, my boyfriend is always the one to like plan a restaurant because he's, oh, he's really better. good at that, isn't he? He's he always thrives. got like, a really good list of restaurants. Yeah. He knows where he wants to go. Exactly. Whereas I'm just not very good at that. Yeah. Right, Hans, we should leave you here. Um, we wanted to record for just an, okay, we're an hour and ten. Oh my bad. god, that's not too shabby at all. So please rate, review, and subscribe. Give us a DM yeah. on Insta at Straight Up Pod. 
please do let us know if there's anything you fancy us covering in the next couple of weeks i would like to ask you guys please do send us some book recommendations we've both got holidays coming up i do have two books that i want to read i've got tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow by gabriella i want to say zelverman yes i've had such good yeah everyone raves about that book and i've got it on my kindle but i just don't love the kindle so i keep putting for some reason i I find it very hard to start a book on the kindle like Mm. there's something boring about looking at that screen to me and so i'm not like enticed maybe at one point we should do like a 15 minute segment at the end where we recommend loads of books yeah and then the other book that i have but haven't yet read which my stepdad bought me for my birthday is a very nice girl by imogen crimp which seems to be doing the rounds at the moment i don't know so i'll report back i would also like to know whether people are watching wolf the deranged um show our film recommendation oh no sorry no no, no no the tv show also deranged about um some horrendous serial killers who like torture a rich family in their home it Ooh, is god perverted and terribly it looks like it's I think been you're like and i love it all oh, right um no it looks like it's been written by ai the dialogue is so terrible but for some reason i can't stop watching it i think because i am Ooh. perverted um <laughs> no i just really like watching deranged things yeah. You just want to know how they get tortured in the end. Oh, I find find torture a bit heavy, but I'll give it a go. No, you'd hate it. You all literally I? hate it. I okay. got scared before bed yesterday because my phone went missing. I mean, I literally put my phone on my bedside table and then put a book over it and then lost it. And then like was like hysterical being like, I said to my boyfriend, I was like, no, someone has come in and taken my phone. Like I'm being fucked with. I was sure of it because I just watched this. Where was they're, he like, like I don't think someone. so. Yeah, no, he went to sleep. Right. He genuinely put his eye mask on. I was like, I'm not engaging with this behavior. <laughs> and then half an hour later, I was like, oh yes, it's on my bedside table. Yeah. <laughs> it fell. But yeah. watching those, when you're watching someone get so fucked with on screen, you genuinely feel like anyone could, especially because I have really glass, I have big glass um, yeah. doors. I'm like, anyone could come in. I feel mm, not good for the paranoia. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that lovely light note, guys. <laughs> Hope you all have a really restful rest of your day or evening whenever you're listening to this. Yes, Oz. Please do send over your, the recos and we'll look See forward you. to reading them. See you next time. See ya. Bye. Bye. 